We have a new three-part series. It's a tribute to the late, great George Romero, the master of the zombie film. First up is his first big hit from 1968. We're talking Night of the Living Dead. I am Eric Lewis, and this is Horror Spoop. How's it going, everybody? As always, I'm Eric Lewis, and this is Horror Spoop. We start this one off with some real zombie madness and the one that got it all started. Neither the Living Dead was released to the hordes on October 4th, 1968. It did not take off right away, but it has become, since then, an inspirational film. One of the most in film history. With a budget of a tiny $114,000, the sales after the opening weekend was not really that impressive, about $5,452. But by word of mouth, everybody started showing up to see the carnage that you would see on screen, and it ended up having an overall takeaway of $30 million. In our trivia, we're actually going to get it started with a fact about those numbers and what it would be in today's standards. So make sure to put your ear firmly to your phone, laptop, or make sure to put those earbuds deep down in your ears so you don't miss it. And since its release, it has only gotten more and more popular and also more and more iconic of what a zombie film looks like. The director of this film is also the writer, and he also happens to be the maker of this whole series. George Romero is the freaking man. Other films that he has directed is stuff like Martin from 1977, Creepshow from 1982, and The Amusement Park from 1985. He is a master of horror, and Horror Spoop is honored to do this series for George Romero. George Romero, we love you so much. For the writer, we have the director, George Romero, as well as John A. Russo. He has written for stuff like Midnight, from 1982, Heartstopper from 1989, and also Return of the Living Dead from 1985, which is an awesome movie, so you need to go watch it. It is not a part of this series because George Romero didn't direct it, but go check out Return of the Living Dead because it's awesome. We have a, a summary coming your way from the internet, so here we A desperate group of individuals take refuge in an abandoned house when corpses begin to leave the graveyard in search of human bodies to devour. The pragmatic Ben does his best to control the situation, but when the reanimated bodies surround the house, the other survivors begin to panic. As any semblance of order within the group begins to dissipate, the zombies start to find their way inside, and one by one, the living humans become the prey of the deceased ones. Yeah. 
that is an awesome summary if you ask me. Make sure to send me your summaries on this film and the two films that I'm going to be doing for the George Romero series, Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, because I might use it in the episode. You might be able to get your summary in the episode, so make sure to send it in at the Horror Spoop Group on Facebook, because that's where I'll be taking it. You could probably also send it on Instagram. I'll probably take it there, too. But after that, moving on to our cast. We have the dude who tried his best to keep everyone on the same page. But we all know how that goes. Dwayne Jones plays Ben and he does an awesome job. And I'm talking about awesome. He's a good reminder that we must stay calm to figure things out. He can also find, you can also find Dwayne Jones on releases like Ganja and Hess from 1973, To Die For from 1988, and Beat Street from 1984. Next up, we have Barbara. I'm sure e- even if you haven't seen this film, you have heard people say, they're coming to get you, Barbara. That's from this film, and she is played by Judith O'Day. You can watch Judith act and act in other stuff like Women's Studies from 2010. They came from the ether from 2014 and also Kill Giggles from 2020. Next on the card is Carl Hardman, who plays Harry Cooper, who is probably one of the more insufferable characters, in my opinion, in this film. You can also find him on stuff like Santa Claus from 1996, spelled C-L-A-W-S, by the way, Santa Claus. Okay, like that. Uh, And also, The Devil Ant from 1999. Next up is Harry's wife, Helen Cooper, who is played by Marilyn Eastman. She can be found on releases like Santa Claus as well, that Carl Hardman was also in, and also House Guest from 1995. Next is little Karen Cooper, who is the daughter of the two that I just previously mentioned. She ends up a little more feisty than you saw before. Her real name is Kyra Sean. She seems to not have much of a catalog at all, except some movies that never got finished. Next up, we have Tom, played by Keith Wayne. He doesn't have a catalog either, other than stuff that he's done with the film that we are talking about. So, re-releases, interviews on this film, stuff like that. Uh, That's about all he has really done. Um, And his fiancé or wife, I'm not sure, one of them in the movie, is Judy, who is also played by Judith Ridley. So, Judy is played by Judy, and that's pretty cool. You can find her on a movie from 1971 called There's Always Vanilla. Here is what I think about Night of the Living Dead. Zombie films are always close to my heart, but where would any zombie film be if this film didn't exist? That's right, no zombie films would exist, and that sounds stupid. I'm so thankful for this film. This was a low budget with no name name actors, so I can't say that this film is perfect. The score doesn't quite match up with what you see on film, and the acting at times is a little lacking, especially in the beginning of the never-seen footage that you can get with the 30th anniversary version of Night of the Living Dead. But what I can say is this, this is definitely one of the better written zombie films. It's a lot more dialogue-driven. The the theatrical beginning scene in the cemetery is iconic, and I love the sense of stress and panic that it gives you while you're watching it. At Horror Spoop, 
I have been doing series of older movies because I think it's still very important for the young fans to still get an understanding of horror history. And hopefully, they find the films fun as well. Zombie movies mix the idea of horror with the fast pace of action movies, and I'm here for it. Even though I believe this film is a little more slow moving than other zombie films, the other two in this series is a lot more action packed. There is a lot to be said about the social political end of this film. I personally stand on the more humanistic side of this matter and very much find it to be a heartbreaking part and a very heartbreaking part of our society as well. Some of the most brutal scenes are actually found when the infected are eating human din-din, and that makes for good aspects of a horror film, if you ask me. Heartfelt moments are literally throughout the film scattered. Throwing the Molotov cocktails from the second story window is, is awesome to see. Zombies on fire are always a fun touch. Zombies coming through the wood on the door over Mrs. Cooper's head is a really well shot scene. But the rest of the film, you of course, have to go watch for yourself. Horror Spoop is in love with zombie films, and I hope you are excited for this series of this flesh-eating mayhem. I rate this 6 out of 10. Let me know if you have grievances with that, but you know where you can find me to tell me, but you also know that most likely I'll move on and still keep that rating, because that's just what I do. Alright, so... Here we go with some filming locations. We have filming locations for this film in the state of Pennsylvania. So to all my listeners from there, I'm thinking about how much I appreciate you. And also, go find these places for yourself. Evans City Cemetery in Evans City, Pennsylvania. That is the cemetery and the opening scene of this film that I mentioned earlier, so go check it out. Literally, the same gravestones are there. You can see pretty much everything in the cemetery, I believe, are pretty much the same thing. So go and check that out for sure. The farmhouse used in the film has since been demolished, but that was found on 260 Ashstop Road in Evans City, Pennsylvania as well. Go find that... Uh, you know, I don't know, piece of uh, property and look around and be like, whoa, look at that tree. That tree's from when zombies were walking past it. I don't know. Go and check it out. That's what I'm trying to tell you anyway. There are some driving scenes at the beginning of the film, and that was filmed on Franklin Road in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania. More specifically, I found out it was between Garvin Road and Shady Oak Drive in Cranberry Township. Pennsylvania. So if anybody lives around there, go check it out. Send pictures to me, Horsepoop, on Facebook, on Instagram, or you can email me those pictures, horsepoop at gmail.com. Go and do that for me because that would be really freaking cool. The scene where the sheriff and the men jo join together to go as they hunt the living dead, they gather next to a metal bridge, and that bridge can be found at Ashtop Road and Kohler Lane in Evans City, Pennsylvania. Evans City is the place to go for all things Night of the Living Dead, so go and check it out. And you might be there when I'm there, so you might see me. If you do, make sure to go and say what's up. Here we go with a little bit of our trivia. 
going first. Here we go. This is one of the most profitable independent movies ever made. Made for $114,000, which is equivalent to $941,800 in 2022. Not 23 yet. We haven't done the measurements yet. It has grossed approximately $30 million in 1968. That is equivalent to $247.8 million in 2022. That is over 263 times the budget. Now that is such a big freaking deal. That is a lot of money. Now when you put it into that perspective, it's more impressive that is a lot of money coming from a movie about flesh-eating humans. <laughs> when discussing the film for Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments from 2004, George Romero said that the moment they finished editing the film in Pittsburgh, they put the reels into cans, threw it into the trunk of a car, and drove straight to New York City that night in, hoping, in hopes to have it screened at any willing theater. To me, that shows that a movie maker has a lot of trust in his film, and it really, and he really wants to show it to somebody. And he actually showed success that way. So, if you think you got it, then go and flaunt it, because you might get it. Don't sell yourself short, because you might get that success. When the writers decided to base the film on zombies, they brainstormed about what would be the most shocking thing for the zombies to do to people. They decided cannibalism. And that right there is why we have zombies that want brains and not zombies that want your wallet. George Romero saw very little profit from this film. Due to his lack of knowledge regarding distribution deals, the distributors walked away with practically all of the profits. So to the family of George Romero, I hope that you are now getting money from the movies that your father, grandfather, great-grandfather has made. Because it is deserved to you. George Romero is a beast. We love him. I hope he and his family ended up having more than enough money to live their life with success. The U.S. movie rating system was instituted November 1st, 1968. This film, released on October 1st, 1968, is one of the last films released in the United States without a rating, which means any kid can just walk in and get traumatized. But anybody watching this film, first time, kind of gets traumatized. When the zombies are eating the bodies in the burnt-out truck, they were actually eating roast ham covered in chocolate sauce. The filmmakers joked that it was so nausea-inducing that it was almost a waste of time putting the makeup on the zombies because it ended up making you look pale and sick from eating this anyway. And I say, that does sound gross. If you disagree, I want to see a picture of you eating a chocolate-covered ham. The house used for this film was loaned to the filmmakers by the owners who were planning to demolish it anyway. When the production came across the farmhouse location, George Romero jokingly stated, well, we can do that for you. The production had to completely clean up the farmhouse to make it appear livable. John A. Russo notes the kitchen was the first room that they cleaned as they felt a clean place to have lunch was probably the most important factor of a workable set. It seems like George could have done anything he wanted, 
to do with this farmhouse. And I would have broken the house down more by zombies. But that's just me. You know, I'm a person who says, go all out. We should have burnt this house to the ground. Demolish it for them. I think you should have been serious. The body upstairs in the house was actually made by the director, George Romero, who used ping pong balls for the eyes. I know I'm saying George Romero a lot, but you need to understand George Romero is a big deal and we need to remember the name. Russell Striner's mother owned Barbara and Johnny's car. Russell Striner, I think, is actually Johnny. So Barbara and Johnny's car. The cemetery scenes were shot over two days. Someone ran into the car during a break in film, leaving a dent that was easily visible on camera. George Romero rewrote the scene so the car came to a stop after crashing into a tree. Thank you, Russell Striner's mother, for allowing us to use your car, and I'm so sorry that it got dented. And I know this was from the 60s, so I'm probably talking to Russell Striner's mother from the grave, but from beyond, what's going on, girl? The main house did not have a true basement, but a dirt potter cellar, and thus had a long staircase leading down to it. As a result, the basement scenes were filmed in an editing studio cellar in downtown Pittsburgh. I'm not actually quite sure where that's located, but I'm sure you can find it, so go find that. George Romero originally hired Tom Savini to do the makeup effects for his film. The two were first introduced when Savini auditioned for an acting role in an earlier film that never got off the ground from Romero. Romero remembering that Savini was also a makeup artist, he brought his portfolio to the audition, called Savini to the set of the horror movie. Savini was unable to do the effects because he was in the U.S. Army serving as a combat photographer in Vietnam. Savini later appeared in Dawn of the Dead in 1978, which we're going to be going over, and he directed the remake of Night of the Living Dead from 1990. If you haven't seen that one, it is very, very good, and Candyman is in it. So, go check the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead. So, at least Tom made it up to him. Tom Savini is someone who we love here at Horror Spoop, and I think that you should probably love him too. And our last thing, the film's first scene, the initial cemetery attack on Barbara and Johnny, was actually the last scene to be filmed in November 1967. The actors had to hold their breath to avoid visible condensation in the frosty autumn air. And that's all we have for our trivia, and off we go. For some taglines. First off, we have, if it doesn't scare you, you're already dead. I do enjoy that one, for sure. Next up is something new, something evil, something unspeakably terrifying. And lastly, pits the dead against the living in a struggle for survival. Which tagline are you picking? That question will be asked on the horse boop group in a form of a poll on Facebook. So make sure you go and vote for your favorite tagline. And also join the group while you're at it, because I would really enjoy it. Next up, we have two questions for you to answer on the Horse Boop group. The first question is, do you agree with the rating of this film? And, which is six, which is six out of ten. Okay, I don't know if you remembered that, but. Go find it yourself. All right. Six out of ten. Do you agree with that? And this second 
Do you think black and white movies are a type of film that is too far gone? People mainly say it's boring, but what do you think? Do we still watch them? Do we still make podcast episodes about them? What do you think about black and white films? Do you still find them interesting or do you find them boring? But the end of the questions are the end of the episode. Make sure to go check for the Dawn of the Dead episode coming up pretty soon. I hope to see you there. I'm Eric Lewis, and this is Horse Boop. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to this little here podcast. Make sure to follow this podcast, rate this podcast, and also tell your friends about this podcast. This is Horse Poop.